I asked you where you'd been. To get a breath of fresh air. Why are there still cannibals? The reasons are many and always of a social origin. and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast chris honeywell is an internet loudmouth i'm in the mood for softcore romantic sex and cannibal gore but i don't have time to watch two movies man i guess i'm screwed Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. Now what is this idiocy? Virginia used a molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration, or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. One month I shall assign you a movie to watch, and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the- Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment! Summon the subject. It's great. I get this this lab monkey to watch movies and when I teleport him in here and I'm going to feed him long pig today. It's going to be great. What do you say, Joe? Huh? <laughs> Why did I teleport here with sunglasses and a cigarette in my mouth? <laughs> I don't smoke cigarettes anymore. Uh, 
Uh, well, Is this another monkey joke? <laughs> well, your, your sunglasses aren't upside down. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And there, and there are two naked women fondling each other in the water in front of me. <laughs> Even the monkey. Just the perks. opposite, actually. <laughs> yes. Even the monkeys are pervs in the world of Joe D'Amato, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, I brought in a special guest. Hey, I thought I was here. <laughs> so, uh, this is uh, J.A. Conrad, also known as Joe, um, the writer of the self-made, self-made writer, too of the jack daniels universe which is kind of like hannibal it's it's simultaneously very gross and gruesome but also very funny and um his most recent book is coming out when is it uh, it's coming it's going to be out by the time this comes out in on uh, on uh october november 1st right the, the the most recent book i did was what happened to Lori, which just came out yesterday Okay, so so it will be in it will be available through Amazon, and uh, you've you've announced there's another current currently is, and yeah, I've got a, a new Jack Daniels book mm. called Chaser, which will be right. out before Christmas. Okay, okay, the, those are great books, people. There are literally times, Joe, where I have I'm like a hundred pages to the end. And usually I just read a chapter a day and just, but I'll just sit there for three hours because I'm so engrossed in the story and well, finish the damn thing. It happened to me with Run Runner. That happened to me with Run Runner. That happened to me with Dirty Naval. In case you haven't guessed, all of these, uh, all of these novels are named after either alcoholic drinks or uh bar terms i would so, i would try a drink called the dirty navel wasn't it dirty? Uh, it was oh. we i had dirty martini and fuzzy dirty navel, martini. i'm you, sorry uh, no i would i what would I'm, be in a dirty navel i was trying to think what was in a dirty navel and it's intriguing yes. Jaeger, jaegermeister obviously <laughs> well one <laughs> thing be, that, that, that was, Jaeger. was the film that that, I, that joe assigned chris today had you not seen this movie, Chris? I have not seen this movie. Have you Have you seen it at this point? I have seen it now. Yes. Okay. I've showered a few times. <laughs> I'm ready for ready for the show. I, Were you, I, you know, showering I have to seen, clean I have yourself seen or relieve Holocaust, yourself? <laughs> so at least this one didn't have any any animal murder in it. So it it was a little less rough, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, was kind of, it was it was kind of a, a soft core a soft core porn film where cannibals just happen to invade about it, well about it's it's that way. true mashup of an yeah. emmanuel movie it's an emmanuel movie just got stuck with a in a cannibal movie <laughs> and it's like equal parts of both yeah, we, we, we are cutting a, we, we are like ticking a lot of boxes with this film actually because this is of course our first cannibal movie this is our first uh, Joe D'Amato movie, and Joe D'Amato made a lot of movies. Well, well over four, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just that's just in the the, uh, the Emmanuel series, I think. He made he made a bunch of Emmanuel movies, and yeah. then then Laura Gemser did 
many more Emmanuel movies. And then she did movies that weren't Emmanuel movies that later, based on the popularity of the Emmanuel movies, were called Emmanuel movies later on. And and if you want to get cannibal movies into this mix, is this your first Laura Gemser film? This is the this is what I was mentioning too. This is also because Laura Gemser is a major sex symbol in the grindhouse era of the seventies and eighties. So, so yeah, I mean this this accounts for hundreds of movies if we count Laura and Joe and the the cannibal genre, right? Which all the Emmanuel films. I mean, yeah. you've got you've got over a hundred movies there with well, you probably just got a hundred with Joe D'Amato. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Joe D'Amato is one of those guys. You know, when he get when I get bored, I read a magazine. When Joe D'Amato gets bored, he says, "I think I'll make a movie." I'll make a movie this weekend. Yes. What do we got? <laughs> Who's in town? But uh, so, what did you think, Chris? I was very surprised that this came before Cannibal Holocaust. Mm-hmm. came out three years before Cannibal Holocaust because it like at first I was like okay this is definitely playing off a lot of the and it had a little bit of uh, was it was, was it zombie the one where at the beginning yeah. you know the boat comes into New York City the boat can leave now yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's got a little and I'm watching it and I'm checking stuff off like right off the bat like right. oh based on a true story check yeah. <laughs> Warbly disco music, check, over New York City skyline. Oh, my God. Can, can, we, can we just talk about the terribleness that was that theme song? Oh, let's let, – don't even go there. Inappropriateness. I, 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 will, I will cut this podcast off right now. <laughs> yeah, Nico Fidenko, I love this soundtrack. This soundtrack gets in your head, and it will not leave for your life. It did get in my head. And <laughs> he, he did about – five or six Emmanuel films and he did more Joe D'Amato films. Mm. Uh, he did, he did zombie Holocaust, which was, uh, that, that was Dr. Butcher MD. Mm-hmm. I believe the original I love Dr. Butcher MD. That's version of that. But Nico did some great, great music for these movies. And, and it's not disco. It's, mm-hmm. there's a synthesizer there. Yeah. And he's got he's got some repeating motifs and, and, and refrains and and they certainly got that seventies chorus going on throughout the movie, but it sticks in your head, it works for the film, and I didn't find it annoying at all. I think this is one of the most delightful soundtracks of seventies of grindhouse cinema. I, I would have found it annoying as a teenager because I was just snooty about Italian movies. But I think it was Cannibal Holocaust that that made me understand the the just the, the the sheer power of those those kinds of soundtracks to where there you know I remember the first time I saw Cannibal Holocaust I'm like this is some cheesy music and by the end of it it was burned into my head and had you know from the context of the movie the music takes on a whole new th- like if you if you just somebody pulled out this album and didn't tell you what movie it was and you'd never heard it and you'd be like oh okay this could be from a sort of happy-go-lucky movie for the most part it's got right. some got some scary parts in it but it, it sounds pretty pretty upbeat <laughs> well and, when uh, when was the first time you saw cannibal holocaust oh geez what like, year 
It had to be it had to be like 10 15 years ago. Some, something so like still that. Cuz I, I remember seeing that in the late 80s. See, I I I grew up in a cultural vacuum. That's the basis of this show. I I I grew up you know before we had cable and stuff, but but you know pre-internet in a town that you know the video stores were limited as to what what you could get but i could get to the bookstore and i had copies of like the psychotronic guide to film sure and and stuff like that and i had all these books i'm reading about all these movies but you couldn't get them that i couldn't see that that i like when i finally got a chance to see them you know i'd already sort of pictured them in my head and it wasn't until i'd like gotten out of town gotten into college the first time like i ever got any kind of good exposure was when I got a girlfriend who lived in Brooklyn and got to some real video stores and video rental places in New York city. And, and was, I remember being in this one store with her with like clutching Martin in my hand going, you don't understand. This is Martin. I'm not going to, there's no there's other way I'm going to see Martin that. except for right now. Yeah. yeah. With the razor blade, the that razor blade teeth on the cover. Yeah. Kind of missing from culture no. now that, that everything hunt? is digital yes oh well now there is a sense of joy of stumbling across something in some nothing mom and pop video store and that that can't be duplicated by going on amazon or itunes and going oh, i want to watch this so, I, I, I agree on Something would sneak onto HBO every once in a while, and I'd get to catch <laughs> yeah. it, but otherwise... HBO. Uh, or which Cinemax. Is, is Cinemax is my better chance of catching some real actual sleaze. Yeah. That's how I saw the original Ma- Emmanuel was on Cinemax. Mm-hmm. The Sylvia Crystal one. Yeah, but that one, I mean, that one made it to... Cine- I mean, I'd actually first heard about that from Siskel and Ebert, got all hot and heavy on it. And... So... I don't want that, that image in my head. Stop yeah. it. <laughs> Stop I, it. I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of those guys. Thomas, when did you first see Cannibal Holocaust? Um, it was during the VHS era, probably like the 90s. Because I, yeah, I don't remember it being released on VHS. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was in America. Yeah, but you see, we had here in New York, we had uh, a little store called the Science Fiction and Horror Bookshop. It was a block away from um, NYU, about two blocks from Washington Square Park. It was run by this guy whose big claim to fame was he wrote uh, a book about the Batman 66 TV series. And you could go there and find pretty much everything because he dealt with the, the gray market a lot. So, so, so bootlegs? Yeah. Okay. I... I finally came, and I I love the cannibal mm-hmm. subgenre. I'm I'm a huge fan of it, and I think the first one I saw was Trap Them and Kill Them, mm-hmm. which is Emmanuel and the Cannibal right. under a, a retitle, but I don't think there were any edits in it. Uh, it was the, the Twilight Video clamshell mm-hmm. box. And I remember the cover had the scene of the actress in the little bamboo cage. Yeah. Right right before she got the knife up the hoo-ha. Yeah. And it looked like some scary 
exploitation flick mm-hmm. and it it turned out not to be scary but it was certainly certainly an exploitation flick yes and from there i found uh, uh make them die slowly mm-hmm. which is the the big box thriller video retitle of cannibal ferox mm-hmm. umberto lenzi right and then i started to to seek them out but i couldn't find any of them at, at mom and pop shops even in chicago i'm from the chicagoland area and we had a couple we have facets which was big into cult movies and hard to find movies and then we had a couple other video stores where you can get stuff that hadn't been released right just on the bootleg circuit but video search of miami was the first place i found cannibal holocaust because i read all of the books and I read the, the magazines at the time and I knew cannibal Holocaust existed, but it was unavailable until video search of Miami and the whole VHS bootleg trading scene mm. came into its own, but it must've been really late eighties or early nineties. Same as you, Thomas, when I finally saw cannibal Holocaust and I was, I was frankly unimpressed by it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Emmanuel and, and Cannibals is the greatest cannibal film of all time. And it's more entertaining. Certainly. For sure. Cer- certainly is. And from what I understand, this was made as a cash in. The guy who directed Cannibal Holocaust, uh, Deodato, he made two, or he made one previous cannibal film which is known as Jungle Holocaust or, mm-hmm. or Mondo Cannibal World, Mondo Cannibale. Right. Uh, but that was released about eight months before Emmanuel and the Cannibals. And oh. it's my understanding that that was a hit in, in Italy. And D'Amato just tried to cash in really quick. So right. he, he, made, he threw Emmanuel in there and said, oh, this Cannibal thing seems to be doing well. But... Deodato had basically remade Man from Deep River mm-hmm. from six years earlier, which was an Umberto Lenzi film as well, which was pretty much just a remake of A Man Called Horse. Right. Except it's a white guy who's captured by cannibals rather than captured mm. by Native Americans and tortured in a different way. But... Uh, Diodato and Lindsay, from what I have read, went back and forth on who invented the Italian cannibal genre. <laughs> you know, if you're going to fight over something, yeah. you can't fight over anything better than that. Right. But uh, but uh, name a more entertaining cannibal film than than Emmanuel and the Cannibals. I challenge you both. <laughs> I I'm, well, one of my notes is all this movie needs to push all my buttons as a talking dog. If it had a (laughs) talking dog, automatically gets a movie, a thumbs up in my, but a monkey with a smoking monkey with sunglasses is close. Yeah. That's it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's like even the monkeys have to purr. I, and what I love about this attractive, right. Is, is he's got the beats, like the beats of an Emmanuel movie. Mm -hmm. So down that there it's there's shorthand there isn't any like romancing or anything you know you instantly know oh here's the young daughter of the of of his friend who's grown up and it's just like hard cut she's in the <laughs> she's in yeah. the lake with Emmanuel naked with a monkey 
you know, there's there's no there's no romantic tension or no, you no know, sexual tension or, or all. It's just like, oh yeah, everybody's just gonna sleep with and everybody she else. Exactly tells Emmanuel, yeah, I, I I spied on you guys last night. Yeah. And Emmanuel takes it in stride, which is sure. that, well, yeah, oh, of course you did. So the audience. <laughs> yeah, it's that th- this is not Emmanuel's first uh, rodeo here. Uh, no, no. In fact, I think this. The previous film, she was like uh, breaking up a snuff film. Oh, jeez. Was that Emanuel in America? I think so. I'm not sure if it's Emanuel in Amer- America. <laughs> that's what the Italians are like. Oh, Emanuel in America. Snuff film. Or there's another one. I, I don't know if this follows directly. That's a brutal film, Emanuel in America. That's a brutal fucking film. Well, you, we, as you know, Joe D'Amato doesn't uh, fuck around. He, he does not. The The movie that turned me on to Joe D'Amato that made me think, oh, my God, this is somebody that I hadn't heard of, and now I need to track him down. And I already knew about uh, the Babas, of Father yeah. and Son, Mario and Lombardo, and I knew, obviously I knew about Dario Argento. Right. But, uh, and, and I loved Lucio Fulci. I mean, the, the, right. guy, the guy's just the king. But... I, I read about it, and it may have been in Fangoria. I read about Elvira was doing a VHS horror line, and she was doing intros to them, and right. everyone's now cutting into the movie. And there were a couple she refused to to do the intros to. Mm-hmm. And one was Make Them Die Slowly. Okay. It's Cannibal Ferox. And mm-hmm. the other one was Blue Omega, mm-hmm. which Thriller Video had retitled Buried Alive. And Blue Omega was what? What a disgusting movie! It's it's wonderful. It's mm-hmm. this creepy serial killer kid who falls in love with his nanny slash nurse slash mother figure mistress, and they have this. Have you guys seen this? I've, I've never seen, seen this. this. Oh, yeah, I'm, I don't I'm, want to I'm writing it down right now from your description of it. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to spoil this, but. It does for bathtubs what Psycho did for showers, but a million times better. Mm-hmm. And if, if that's not if, if that doesn't make you run to to uh, to Amazon right now to, to find a copy of it, mm-hmm. I don't know what will. It's a perverted, disgusting, unapologetic, wonderfully sleazy film that wallows in it. Much Joe D'Amato. That's how I like my sleaze. Uh, perhaps his most famous film for, for most people is Anthropogic. Watch me mispronounce this. Anthropophagus. That that thing, yes. Yeah. Uh, the film that ends with the killer eating his own guts. He, he gets disemboweled and he's a cannibal. He's an he's an undead eternal zombie like cannibal and he mm. gets he gets disemboweled and he eats his own yeah entrails. Wonderful. Right. But not in the original version that was released. It was originally released on VHS as Grim Reaper. That's when I saw it in Times Square. And I don't think they had the gut-eating scene at the end, did they? Mm-hmm. I, I seem to recall it. Maybe they did. Yeah. Because I remember my VHS tape was edited, and then eventually it came out uncut. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a lot better. Because it's a terribly boring movie. Mm-hmm. And you cut out the gore, then you're just watching people walk around. Right. The Greek island is nice and all, but... Sure. <laughs> so is Island of Death. Yeah. You cut out all the good stuff, you're just looking at a Greek island. Right. But uh, with the gore, it's it's quite a sight to behold. 
And, and he did a sequel to that, too, with the baby Absurd. baker. With, with Absurd. Absurd. I love that movie. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, so the Emmanuel train was, that's a, was a pretty long running series. Um, and just Laura, yeah, just Laura Gemser alone. She yeah, did, she did about did six about, of those. Yeah. Oh, she did more than that. If you count all the ones that are called Emmanuel later. Okay. The ones where they, where they kind of do the, the Django thing and just say, okay, well, Emmanuel I pulled, versus the mob. There. The Django oh. thing. Exactly. Emmanuel <laughs> versus Django. <laughs> yeah. I'm not surprised. I'm surprised nobody came up with that one. Versus Sartana. Yes. Yeah, there are a lot of Django movies that did not need to be made. Mm-hmm. So, but you know, the, you know the type of film that you're, you're in in for. Uh, probably by the five minute in mark. Where Laura Gemser comes across the cannibal girl. Yeah. And the first thing she does is start diddling with her. Right. And, and the, the cannibal girl, let's, let's set this up properly. Okay. The cannibal girl, <laughs> she, she's brought in, the, uh, Laura Gemser, it, she's a journalist because, right. because of course. <laughs> right. Because with the most, the most obvious baby doll camera of all time. <laughs> that actually goes click. Sometimes it flashes. It is. It does. Yeah. So the most, one of the most beautiful women to ever live. So amazingly beautiful. Of course, she's a a hardcore journalist who goes into mental institutions undercover to expose all of the dirtiness and shenanigans going on there. So at the beginning of this epic, there is Emmanuel with her camera, which is a baby doll which she flashes and, and takes pictures by blinking its eyes. Right. With an obviously loud click. Bad dubbing click. Yes. And she witnesses a a young girl going crazy and indulging in some on the spot I'm going to eat a a nurse's breast cannibalism. Which allows us to see both cannibalism and a breast within the first couple minutes of Yeah. Yeah, it's right showtime. after and this woman who we learned through through gratuitous info dump yes escaped from south america and was supposedly with some cannibal tribe and emmanuel goes to visit her after she assaults the nurse and she's tied to her bed in a straitjacket without pants on and emmanuel speaking the language of love knows that the best way to communicate with this woman is non-consensual fingering. <laughs> and then later on accusing her of being, like, a lesbian. Oh, the... no, no. The, 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 they <laughs> mentioned that the, the nurse had it coming because everybody... She'd made lesbian advances. That's right. Yeah. She'd made lesbian advances on this girl. So it's right. just so, like, so oh, Emmanuel, okay. Yeah, Emmanuel thinks it's a good idea. Oh, well, that, that she scene, ate I was the other woman it. who made advances. So, but hey, yeah. she's in a straitjacket. Now I guess I can do whatever I want to. <laughs> yes. so I, I was watching that scene great. and I'm like, why does this make sense? And I'm like, oh, because the director was like, this is what the audience wants to see touch right her. Now, now. Touch her. And we can do it. Yeah. Touch her. Yeah. And you could hear Laura saying, but how is that essential to the plot? And and Joe D'Amato going, uh, we'll put a tattoo on her belly. It's, it's That's a, the only way to see the tattoo. It's essential to my mortgage. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Lovely way to start this 
is a wonderful film. Well, like, and we started in New York City, and and I noticed there were a lot of accents, but not really any New York City accents. No, no. But the thing is, I still felt nostalgic. So yeah, is that, I'm going, I, I, I wanted to ask place, you a couple questions. Place. Yeah, I've only been to New York a couple times. I don't remember any cable cars. That's to no. Roosevelt Island, isn't it? Yes, yes. That was my first the, question. Is the that the tram point. to Roosevelt Island? I'm the, fascinated with that. That thing, that thing was a big deal back in 1977 because it was so new. Is it still around? It's yeah. Still around, yeah. It's I plan on taking it someday. I'm I'm fascinated with Roosevelt Island, and then I found out about the tram over to it, and then yeah. I saw a couple of videos of what it looks like taking the tram, and it's pretty cool. Well, well, yeah. Chris, I, I I will go with you, Chris, if you promise me two things. First, you're wearing a straight jacket, and second, no pants. <laughs> <laughs> well. You and know, then let's do that, it. This could all be it's arranged because we have an annual picnic in, in Queens yeah. that's not far from Roosevelt Island every year, and you're definitely invited. But, maybe, uh, maybe we should have an Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals theme next year. <laughs> what would you need? You would need a monkey who smokes cigarettes. Yes. You'd need a, you, you a snake. Up. All these things or are in New York City. Not dress up. Um, Somewhere all these things are in New York City. Yeah. Need stock footage of a of an alligator. Yes. <laughs> a rubber a rubber snake. You'd need a bunch of Asians pretending to be South American with bowl haircuts, trying not to laugh when they're told to eat intestines. I saw a few. I saw a few of them like sort of looking at the camera, like, "Am I doing good?" Really, really. <laughs> I saw one guy also balk at it. He 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 nope. like <laughs> yeah. just put it up to his mouth. and was like, "Yeah, no." <laughs> you're, you're paying me five bucks a day. No, no, thank you. <laughs> this is already. Just me, or are there no females in that in that tribe? None. There are none. Okay, good. I I just. You'd think they wouldn't want to sacrifice everybody that they get pregnant then. Right. You know? Exactly. And I'm like, and also, <laughs> let's talk about the most laconic laid back gangbang I have ever seen. Can I can I also bring up? Yeah, the 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 mechanics of. Uh, well, I had a friend who used to call movies like this uh, soft poor corn. Okay. And another friend who used to call it training porn and the mechanics <laughs> of the mechanics of training porn are so like like when I was, you know, when I was catching this stuff on Cinemax, this was some pretty hot stuff. Right. But like. I, I watching it now. It's like whenever people start kissing, it's the total William Shatner face mass mash yeah. kissing. And then there's a lot of like, you know, a lot of a lot of parts that don't like line up, even though there's thrusting going on. Mm-hmm. And so there was there was a lot of that in, in, in this movie of just sort of like, OK, now you lie on top and make vaguely thrusting motions. Yeah. Pretty sure. Pretty sure they had some some Merkin going on too, some some cheaters going on there. Because yeah. Yeah. I I never seen bushes that big in the wild mm-hmm. and completely obscuring just about everything. So right. I think I think there were some I mean it wasn't full on wear a carpet between your legs, mm-hmm. but I think that they added some some hair in some instances to make it palatable I, for the US market. I thought it was like uh I was gonna say Forbidden Planet Fantastic Planet where yeah. they had these sort of wasp like critters that that just sort of like made a little wasp nest over their <laughs> their genital areas it looked like someone just like pasted like gray gray wasp nest paper over them 
there was but that, I, that's of... the thing is this movie was not shy about uh, about and, showing the occasional penis but i guess only when it's getting chopped off yeah yeah well that, that's okay then yeah that's that's how you know the movie's uncut oh another new york city reference that, that I was a circumcision about. joke yeah it was a cut we don't thing joke about movie. circumcision on this show you can well, you, you can get that back there are weights um <laughs> oh thomas and, and where when 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 we do have some new york city sex isn't that the exact place where they should be ha- there should shouldn't there be a drum drummer just oh, sitting out yes. doing a drum no, solo the while they're having sex no it's not the same same pier um it, it, what are we referring to here we recently did a couple of episodes ago, uh, 1990, The Bronx Warrior. It's not the same pier. That, that pier... looks very similar. I was just like, oh, my God, is there going to be a guy just playing a, a, <laughs> a catchy jazz solo there while they uh, make love in the near the dirty water? Which is, oh, well, that, more than any of the gore, that grossed me out the most. I was just like, not <laughs> on the ground, like... not on the ground, not in the water. Come on, you guys. It was just, I'm sitting there going like, okay, I understand. Making love by a river is supposed to be romantic, but this is 1977 Hudson River. Ugh! Pick I, any river. Did they use the real river? Well, it's, it's definitely shot on location. Are they dead? No. Well, apparently Laura Gemser's still alive at 68 years old. God bless her. Um, There's uh, but it's yeah. not a clean river. Maybe yeah, they cleaned I, it up I, lately, I will... but in the 70s it was not a... Not a clean body of water. In the seventies, uh, like seventies and eighties, New York from a lot of things, but not from that. <laughs> that was the Hudson River was nasty. My only, my only other New York note was uh, you got a got a couple nice Times Square shots in the marquee with mm-hmm. Kentucky Fried movie on it. Yes, I'm one of yeah, the weirdos that looks at the at the marquees every time. And, Instantly, uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what has the best the best New York if we're talking eighties grindhouse slasher films has the best New York scene uh-huh. is uh, Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. Have you guys seen this? I have not. Oh, this, this, is a, is, this is the Fulci joint, right? This isn't Fulci. This is a, a guy named uh, Romano Scavellini. Uh-huh. Uh, I may be I may be wrong. He only did one or two other movies. But it in every way you've seen Maniac. Right. I'm guessing with, with uh, Joe Spinnell. And one of the most beautiful women ever to walk the earth, Carolyn Monroe. Carolyn Monroe, sure. Uh, Nightmare is better on every level. Mm-hmm. It's just as gory. It's insane. It's actually scary. Mm-hmm. In in a an original Halloween type of of guy in a mask stalking you scary. It's a terrific exploitative view of mental illness. Mm-hmm. And it's just a wonderful, wonderful horror movie. But they have an extended scene where the hero slash antihero, because we're following a an escape maniac or a released right. maniac who's on drugs that are supposedly curbing his his uh, psychopathic tendencies, which of course they don't. His thirst for blood. His, his thirst for, for blood and vengeance against what happened to him as a child. 
Uh, he walks through the deuce in the mm-hmm. in the heyday of seventy nine eighty, and it's just one grindhouse theater after another, and all of the, the adult bookstores, yeah. and and absolutely just watching the marquees in that is an absolute joy because you're seeing all of these old kung fu movies mm-hmm. and these uh, softcore flicks, and and you need to see Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. You need to. We should stop the podcast right now so you guys can watch Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. It is. I, my I cannot recommend Times Square film. film. My favorite Times Square theater did not have a name. Okay. It was a. It was a little theater that was literally right at the entrance to the, um, to the one, two, and three on this in the subway. It just had a sign outside that said three kung fu hits every day. Nice. And sure enough, there were three kung fu hits every day. Well, there were three kung fu films. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. They weren't, weren't necessarily. Well, technically, they hit people in the films. So. Oh, there we are. They could yeah. show five minutes of one film and, and be at least fulfill three their hits. contract with the public. I remember once being creeped out by somebody who came to one of my gaming nights who brought a videotape where he basically intercut the scene uh, from Bloodsport where Jean-Claude Van Damme does the splits and breaks uh, a lot of stone. Yeah, I do that every day. Yeah. Who doesn't? Right. But stuff like that. But like meticulously cutting it and repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. And I'm like, there's something not quite right about this. And I know not quite right, but after after an hour and a half, that would get a yes. little tedious. Maybe two hours top. Yeah. But um. So yeah, but I mean, the, the, I, I was recognizing I recognized the old Sam Goody in in Radio City Radio City Center. In, oh, in Sam film. Goody. Sam Goody, yes. Um. But I, I was recognizing all these like cool. It's like oh look, it's the Howard Johnsons that used to be on a. On, on the corner of 46th and Broadway. Yeah, you need to see you need to see Nightmares in a Damaged Brain. If you can find a copy, if if not, I'll, I'll send mm. you one. Okay. Because uh, I think I think the DVD is out of print and they, they're going for some bucks now. It's it's scary. There's how a much... ten minute scene in New York where he's just walking the streets. It's mm. great. It's it's scary how many of these just like show up on YouTube. I got a a, a friend the, of mine. This one will not. Book. Or it might. Uh, uh, it was called Sleazoid Express. Yeah, I mean, and it was happier then. And, and I'm reading it, and they're mentioning, you know, they're just throwing, tossing off movies like that I'd never heard of, you know. They're they the 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 authors of that book were great because they were the hardened veterans that were just like, oh, Cannibal Holocaust, that's cute, that's a mainstream movie. This is the stuff we were watching, and and I'm like, you know, sticking pieces of paper and like, okay, I want to check out this movie. And then I found out I could go on YouTube and like 95% of them, I could just pop them up and there they were. And, and it was, it made, it really made a great reading experience because I could just like read something, pop it up, check out a few minutes of the movie and go like, Oh geez. (laughs) Or sometimes, you know, sometimes the whole movie, but like a lot of times, a lot of those movies were really boring. Yeah, except for the couple of standout scenes. Right, right, except for a couple couple parts. That's and, what the uh, Joe Grindhouse people don't get right. 
which is, yeah, I can't stand watching a quote-unquote neo-grindhouse film because it's trying to, it's basically trying to be the trailer writ large, where they seem to forget that the trailer was just, here's the really good bits. Come and see all the boring stuff. Yeah. There was a, a wizard video. Mm-hmm which is a movie I've probably seen at least 20 times called the best of sex and violence. (laughs) And it was a trailer Mm -hmm. compilation. And unlike other trailer compilations that had a host that would maybe introduce the trailers, this was just one after another, after another. I remember those like on Rhino video or something. This, this was wizard video though. Full moon, full moon released it. They released it. So you can still get it now, but it's just a direct, Mm -hmm. DVD dub of the VHS right. tape, com- complete with the lines <laughs> going through the <laughs> going through the middle of the screen. But best in sex and violence, I remember the cover. It was one of those big box VHS, right? Cardboard covers, and it had a woman in a bikini being grabbed by the wrist by a guy who's wearing like a fur vest and a, a bandolero of bullets. Mm-hmm. And he might have had a machete. <laughs> and it had just about every great 70s Grindhouse movie trailer in it, back to back. I'm mm-hmm. going to grab my gun and bury me an angel. <laughs> a howling hellcat humping a hot steel hog. Oh, and a raging rampage of revenge. Right. Uh, just one, and, you know, black exploitation and yeah. it had, and slasher flicks and and biker flicks and wonderful wonderful trailer video if you can find a copy of that. Mm-hmm. But, you're, but you're right, you're you're absolutely right. The current crop of directors who mm-hmm. grew up watching the crap we grew up watching. Right. Uh, we talked about it and we love these movies because mm-hmm. of the highlight reels, because right. of the, the three or four really standout crazy scenes. Who knew they made strings so strong? <laughs> yeah. Well, in, you, you in know, you have your. In the cannibals. You should, well, we should preface that for those yes, who haven't seen probably, the film. I'm just making sure we're still within. We do diverge, but I'm so, always like, still in the same country as uh, the, 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 Hunter, the last cannibals does not take you know does not spend a lot of time in between like somebody getting killed and somebody having sex so oh, it's, no, it's, it's one of the it's one of the interesting ones but i'm trying to remember the guy's name from staten island oh andy milligan andy milligan that's what like most oh, the ghastly one. <laughs> most Grindhouse movies are like somewhere, you know, in the middle between this one and an Andy Milligan movie. Andy which, Milligan, which is watching paint dry. Yes, they're hard movies to watch. Just like, uh, like, like I'd been waiting years to get a hold of some Andy Milligan and some Doris, Doris Wishman movies, and then when I finally got to see him, I was like, oh. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I have a lot of fondness for for people. We've talked about this before. We talked about this back when we covered Dolomite. I love Dolomite. Dolomite. Dolomite, I think, has one of the greatest trailers ever because it's got that that rap over it. Yes. But um, Milligan, Ray Dennis Steckler, Doris Wishman, 
they just wanted to make movies and they didn't care if people thought they were crap. They had a vision as warped as it may be. And I, I love that. I mean, I just recently for um, the horrors of my life, I ran a poll for 1973 cheese movie that I would review. And uh, so double agent 73. Act, well, or, it, it, it's a horror related pod- podcast. So I have to you know, confine myself to horror movies. So a 73 horror movie? 73 cheese horror movie. And the, the three that I, I came up with was Blood, the Andy Milligan story. Andy Milligan. The Andy Milligan story about the werewolf that lives with the with Dracula's daughter and raises cannibal plants. Now, now he re- I think that's a remake of one of his earlier films. <laughs> what amazes me is or that he remade he it later. All this stuff on, on Staten Island, and he insists on making them period pieces. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. You're thinking I've got a budget of two hundred bucks and I can't feed yeah. anybody. Everybody's got to 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 do their own costumes. Everybody right. has to bring their own lunch, but I'm going to make it a period piece. Right. <laughs> exactly. He's an auteur. That's the, the definition God of auteur. Hmm? That is the definition of an auteur. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's what I, I find that a lot in low budget grindhouse or just you know movies like that i like i stopped di- differentiating from like quote unquote good directors good movies bad movies and stuff and like personally as a as a you know somebody who started out wanting to be a filmmaker and then then did not become a filmmaker i like anybody who gets a film finished to me is a hero Absolutely. same with books anybody who can write a book good or bad start to stop you've done most more than most people can do and and movies are like and and movies are like you do that with a whole shitload of other people and it's going to take a lot out of people to buy into your vision yes yeah anyone can finish a book they just need to to self-motivate but getting a movie done you're not ever doing a movie by yourself. You need right. actors. Uh, and even if the actors are helping with costuming or catering or the lighting or you're directing and you're editing and you're also doing the soundtrack, it's not a solo process. Right. And yeah, kudos to anybody who can do that. It, one of my pet peeves, uh, which has become especially prominent in the Internet age, we we're talking earlier about Siskel and Ebert and they came from my right. hometown mm-hmm. And my opinion is those who can't do teach and those who can't teach critique. And every once in a while, I, I will, I, I am fine to have any sort of discussion with anybody who is a professional critic and we're going to eventually wind up agreeing to disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it is important to help art get noticed mm-hmm. and critics had a platform for doing that pre-internet but the, <laughs> yes. the whole the whole concept of here's something that somebody put all of their heart and soul into mm-hmm. and their their dreams into and time and money and i'm just gonna shit all over it mm-hmm. and fuck you for doing that uh, and and i mean that in the most sin- sincere way <laughs> uh do something with your life do something with your life freshman year of Freshman year of college, my film, my one of the things I remember the most is my film teacher said, well, you know, you got critics and they're basically, well, we call them the eunuchs at the orgy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, 
and I don't, you know, like, I mean, I've seen movies that I've hated that I've wanted to, tr- that I've, that I have trashed and stuff, but like, it's become an industry now. Like, oh yeah, neg- negative attention is so much more appealing to people in just a, in just well, a like, and well, it's well, weird. What are, you, what are you thinking when when you're trashing a movie online? What are you thinking? Oh my God, my opinion is so important. I have to protect other people. I, or are you trying to entertain? Some sometimes sometimes I think there's people who definitely saw something and they didn't like it and they felt that they had to express it in some way and that and you can differentiate that you can see them trying to figure out what is it that I did why didn't I like this and you know and they'll they'll go into it but then there's the whole other level and this is the much more popular level where they just take it and trash it you know it's basically just like let's figure out how to how to mock this it's sort of more of like a bully. Mm-hmm. sort of um um mst3k right. or something you know it's 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 more of that it's like let's find things that we can mock in this movie the 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 the, the new john travolta movie that just came out the, the fan movie or or whatever you can yeah. see people who are just like oh boy this movie's you know they're waiting to watch well, it they know they can make fun of that it. they've got they've got john travolta going full retard and they got Fred Durst. And I think Fred there's Durst. a lot of pent-up Fred Durst aggravation. <laughs> Fred Durst of, is never not out of Fred Durst anger. Yes. Just so, but um a friend of mine who is a film critic, uh William Viani, like he reviewed that film, he said it's just not that good. He's like, it's just kind of poor. <laughs> it's it's not the worst thing ever. And and part of the problem is we have this this uh, tendency to declare anything the worst thing ever or the best thing ever. Um, well, now that you have the room, the phenomena of the room, you yeah, might have like Fred Durst might have been trying to recreate that. Fred Durst yeah. was like, let's just make this movie ridiculous and people will like right. make, tw- you know, <laughs> there is videos that are longer than the movie making I, fun I haven't of seen it, it and yet. everybody okay. will have to watch it. Okay. Don't spoil you know. the fanatic for me. I, I want to I'm see not going to spoil the fanatic. I'm just going to mention there is one scene in this movie where Devin Sawa, who plays the object of John Travolta's obsession, picks up his uh, his son from uh, his ex-wife. I know and, where you're going with this one. And they're going, and, and he puts on Limp Biscuit and spends about three minutes <laughs> telling his son how great Limp Biscuit is. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, and now, now like, do you find in, that in awesome? Really or? bad douchey terms too. You like the biscuit? A little bit of the biscuit <laughs> here. Love this stuff. That's, Love it. That's fabulous. That is fabulous. Right, right. Uh, and, here, here's the thing about the room. Wiseau uh, was an auteur. He right. he was somebody who, and even a better example of this, if you guys have ever seen Birdemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, either yeah. one of them, one and two, and you listen to the director commentary, mm-hmm. they're just as entertaining in the movies. And I love these movies and I've seen right. both movies multiple times each. And I love the room. Uh, these are people who take themselves seriously, who think yeah. they're making art. And you know what they are? Neil Breen. Oh, I was about to mention Neil is, Breen. What a I, I, I went to Wisconsin to mm-hmm. see the premiere of Twisted Pear. Oh. And I can't. I can tell you, it's a Neil Breen film, oh, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to knock Green Breen the movie machine. The the guy is wonderful. I've never seen. I've never been in a theater mm-hmm. that excited 
with an audience that engaged with right. with people that happy to be Chuck seeing Green something. is a very idiosyncratic person. Oh yeah. And no, I, I think he's like the Daniel Johnson mm. and a lot like Daniel right. Johnson in music, like like Breen. And I think Tommy Wiseau to a, a little to the, uh, almost the same extent. They really they are doing they are doing their life's work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and good for and, them. Yeah. And that's the thing is, no like when I watched when I was watching the room, I was like, you know, this is ridiculous and it's funny and it's ridiculousness. But, you know. You almost want to thank the guy for being like you are. You are presenting a window into somebody that like is almost incomprehensible. You know, yeah. I this ordered is somebody who doesn't understand human interactions and stuff. I went but, online and he, Tommy Wiseau, after the room came out, before it became the cult thing, before uh, Franco yeah. made his film about it, I I found Wiseau's website and he was selling underwear. Mm-hmm. And I ordered underwear because I wanted some Tommy Wiseau underwear, and he <laughs> sent me he sent me a signed picture saying uh, to Joe, <laughs> okay. Right. So I'm just a guy buying underwear. You know, maybe I don't even know who he is. Maybe I just wanted a good deal on some underwear. Right. And mm-hmm. he sent me a signed picture, and I'm like, oh my god, this guy is the best guy in the history of guys. No, I can't remember the guy's name. The the, the subject of the movie, like, American movie. Did you? Uh, either, right, well, I, I want yeah. uh, uh, you. You were talking over. Uh, oh, sorry, Thomas. Thomas, what were you? I was about to say until fairly recently, where I think there are some people who intentional who intentionally make bad movies, quote unquote. Um, as kind of like as. A, but a but joke. who does that? I, I've never but seen nope. something intentionally bad. Sharknado. But I think the guys were trying with Sharknado. They just knew they were working with the stupid premise, and they had fun with it. Um, but the thing is, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to make the biggest piece of shit right. that you ever, can't. ever was. You have to love it. Everybody on the Sharknado movies loved what they were yeah. doing. They knew what it was. They were surprised by the reaction the world had to it. They right. certainly didn't think they were going to make six of them. Yes. <laughs> but nobody gets into making a movie without passion mm-hmm. no matter where you are where whether you're an intern whether you're craft services whether you're uh, uh a background actor unless you're a masochist right, right. <laughs> everybody I will, I will uh counter with saying there are i think some directors who love directing but don't put their own personal stamp on things so it's more workmen. It's more, yeah. more a, of a job. Journeyman, but that's kind of a. But Fred Olin Ray's like that. Yeah, Fred Olin Ray loves making movies, but if you don't want a Fred Olin Ray movie, he's fine with it. But by the same token, you Fred Olin Ray, you can tell a Fred Olin Ray movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you, he whether he he had he claims he has passion or not, mm-hmm. there's a style. One of my favorite movies of the. Late 80s, early 90s was a movie called Deep Space mm-hmm. that Fred Olin Ray did with Charles Napier and Ron Glass. And it's one of the few films that I used to have on VHS and I got rid of my VHS collection. Right. And I cannot find it on DVD because it hasn't been released for 
whatever rights reason. Yeah, well, and that's it's a glorious alien ripoff. It's a glorious. Yeah. It, he's got a chainsaw at the end. It's Charles yeah, Napier with a yeah. chainsaw against an alien at the end. It's glorious. That, that's that's probably one of his movies though. That was probably one that he was. He like my my roommate is a uh, has done a little set design. She worked on one of his movies in Buffalo, and it was a lifetime movie. It was about a woman who like got her bag switched at the airport and she was going to meet her daughter for, I think it was Chris, it was either Christmas or Thanksgiving. And, you know, she got involved in a, in a, a spy plot and, you know, and if you, when, when I finally saw the movie, it would be like any lifetime, you know, made for TV mm-hmm. movie, no right. chainsaw hookers, right. You know, no, 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 it was no bad. None of that. And no Michelle Pfeiffer. And, and it was, and it was, and it was, uh, and it know, suffers it for that. A, yes. Quote it's unquote, a movie story about a mom and a daughter underneath all the the spy intrigue. Right. And, uh, but like, you know, he'll just, he just does those because he loves making movies and he'll work on like those lifetime movies and then eventually he'll get enough money up to make something with some, some blood and some, some boobs in it. Right. Well, I, I would think Charles Band is is similar to that yeah you know before he he became this head of this this b-movie empire Mm -hmm. uh he made some arguably good movies and he made some movies where it kind of seemed like he knew the material wasn't as strong as perhaps other material and he was kind of phoning it in but they're charles band movies right uh uh, kaufman lloyd Lloyd kaufman from Mm -hmm. uh, trauma same thing even if you look at his early stuff the, the guy had a a style and a passion. Right. Uh, and that's wonderful it's to see. Fast. It always is. And who, who would trash that? What kind of asshole on the Internet right. would, would say, hey, you know, you, you did all of this. Fuck you. I'm I'm some jackass uh, yeah. with my dick out in front of my computer. And I'm, I'm getting was, a, a rage hard on trashing you. Yeah. The, what, the, the thing is, if you're negative and you, you can be creative about look. When I review movies with Des on on Dread Media, I know part of my thing is I have to entertain the audience. So when there is a bad movie, I tend to be a little jokey about it. That doesn't change the quality uh, of, of it the is, Are you a hater? Or no. Are you, I is there always affection? I believe that if you if you dislike something, you have to have it. You have to be able to back it up with reasoning. Well, de- de- being deliberate and is always a good thing when you're criticizing anything. Mm-hmm. But the I, I would come back to what is the uh, what what is your intent with the negativity? Is it to prevent somebody from seeing a movie, or to, in a roundabout way, encourage them to see the movie? I get, uh, well, on Dread Media, my my uh, place, so to speak, is to evaluate the movie to let people know whether it is worth their time or not. So you're making the call for the people who read that. Oh, who who you know who listen to the the podcast? Well, yeah, who, when, who, who, who listen to it? When, when uh, you have a critic, this is worth it, your time, like, or it's not worth your time. And and like yes, but would like say someone like Tom or like like movie critics that I read, I like uh, sometimes when I go to see a movie, I'll go to read the negative reviews just to see what it was that people didn't like about something I really like just out of curiosity. 
But I, usually if I'm going to read a critic over and over again, it's somebody that I've determined is sort of in, if I'm trying to figure out, you know, am I going to go see this movie in the theater? Do I want to, you know, whatever. If I know that critic and I know what they like and what they've said about other movies and how it's meshed with me, sometimes that can be a good guy. I've had, there's a local critic here that it's just basically, I can go 180 degrees with him. Whatever he does, 180 degrees from it, that's how I'm going to feel. Okay. 90% of the time. Question for both of you. Yes. Have either of you been influenced by a review of something that was the deciding factor on you not seeing it? Not seeing it? I yeah. don't think it, I ever did. There have been times where I've waited till till something hits video. Sure. Rather than spend, uh, at this point, uh, $17 to go see right. it theater um but what i do is i find people like william viviani over in los angeles who seem to have the same taste as me so and i also but has he ever hated a film and you said well he's hated it i'm not going to see it now i'm crossing it off my my list of things to watch even though i was vaguely intrigued by it well you you can say yes. Yeah, I, no, but I, I'm I'm, I'm genuinely curious. Like, example, I mean, I'll jump on you if I want to jump on you, <laughs> but I'm not okay, trying to do that here. Yes, I I chose decided not to see Dark Phoenix in the theaters because of his review. Have you seen it since? I have not seen it since. But well, you'll see it. I four four out of just um like inertia than anything else. Yeah. And also, I have all of these other films that I've been watching that I've had to watch. Of course, right. you know. Well, that's 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 the thing with me is like now, like I have a I have a limited time and and money budget for like go. I I I wish like when I was a kid. Now when I was a kid, and I used to, I I would like when I was a real little kid, Gene Shalit, because <laughs> I I could see Gene Shalit on the Today Show and anything Gene Shalit if he said he loved a movie I wanted to see it if he said he hated it it was awful, and the same sort of as like a young teen with like Siskel and Ebert now as an adult when I go watch Siskel and Ebert it was like you're saying I I kind of don't like them <laughs> I don't I kind of don't like their reviews they were kind of prissy and 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 snotty about it. But like, I definitely like what like avoided like I wouldn't go like when I was in high school, I was like, I'm not going to go see Friday the 13th movies. They're just stupid exploitation movies. And now I'm like lining up to see them. But I mean, hopefully we'll have more. To use another example, the Hellboy film that came out earlier this year. I I love that movie. Okay, I. Uh, went to see it despite the bad reviews because I love Neil Marshall. Right. And I feel that I should put my money where my mouth is. If I, if I want to see more Neil Marshall films, I should pay to see the films that come that, that come out. Makes sense. Uh, I felt that it wasn't really a Neil Marshall film, that it was more a Lionsgate wanting to, to punt into existence a new franchise. So you, you did not enjoy I, I did not really enjoy it because I, I, I kept seeing the the strings of the puppeteer going, well, okay, well, here's Lobster Johnson in the background. He's going to be special next next movie. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff, though. See, yeah, but it's like 
Tell a it, good story first, then worry about. But the I, but but I didn't. I again, I didn't have a problem with the story. I thought I thought everything about that film was was true to the comic, and I thought yeah. it was fun. Well, I, I loved I I loved uh, Mila Jovovich in it. Yeah, she was terrific. Um, I loved the uh, the Eve. Baba Yaga scene was terrific. Yeah, but but I it's just I it kept taking me out of the film. That 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 movie. That movie and um, the Venom movie. Yeah. Both, like, the Hellboy movie, I had interest in seeing it, but, like, and here's another reason why we have this show is I have this huge list of shame. I've never seen yeah. Hellboy 2, and I wanted to see Hellboy 2 just to, even though I know that's not, this one's not attached to those, yeah. I wanted to see both of those before I saw it. And then when the reviews started coming out, I was like, Oh, this sounds like a big studio mess or something, and I and I wasn't and I lost interest in it, and then I started hearing people that I knew, like personal friends that that mm -hmm. went to see it, that were like, it wasn't, you know, I kind of enjoyed it, and the same thing happened with the Venom movie, where the critics mm -hmm. just just immediately just pushed it off the table and were like, nah, this is awful, this is like you know, a throwback to the worst of the 90s, right. blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's too bad. And then, you know, you start talking to people and they were like, I actually really enjoyed it. And and with that one, especially, there's a lot of people. That one, I think it made a huge amount of money, too. It, it, it well, did. that's why they're making more. So, I, I, so, I so both of those, I both, I plan on seeing both of those movies because I've, you know, I, I don't know how many times I've seen the critics been completely wrong with you know sitting in a movie right. watching it going am i watching the same movie that everybody was telling me about okay well let me let me get this in. Okay. i loved i loved venom when it was released a hmm. year earlier and called upgrade <laughs> uh upgrade was upgrade was just what a terrific holy shit Mm -hmm. I'm absolutely in love with this movie kind of movie. Well, I'm a big fan of, of both James Wan and Lee Wommel. Okay. I cannot wait to see what he does with The Invisible Man. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah, but let me ask you this. What? Okay, this is, this is going to be kind of like a marker to see how, how close sure. we are in taste. The 2017 Mummy. Yeah. What did you think of it? I was entertained. I, I did not, I I did not find just, it. Once again, I thought it was just too much of forcing a world into life where there should not have been a world. I was, I was entertained by it. Okay. And I've, so, I've seen, okay. Hey, uh, I, let, I let, love Sophia Butella. Sophia Butella is the mummy. I, I'm perfectly good because she is lovely. It had, it had some fun scenes in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I don't think it was frightening if they you were know, going for it being a horror movie, then they lost. I, I didn't find it as entertaining as the Brendan Fraser, the first two Brendan Fraser yes. mummies, but I was I was sitting in a the theater, eating mm -hmm. my popcorn, smiling. Uh, a couple of things that, that I've been thinking about uh, during this conversation. Yes. The first is one of my aversions to critics, one of my aversions to professional critics has to go back to Siskel and Ebert, who were right. hometown Chicago boys. Now, they came uh, into power and prominence in the 70s the late the late 70s 78 79 80s right. sneak previews was a, a chicago show on channel 11 pbs local show mm. they're both chicago critics sun times and tribune 
And my mom would watch that show and she would decide what my younger brother and I were able to see based on if they gave something oh. a yes or no. Mm -hmm. uh, there was also a columnist uh, in Chicago at the Tribune named Bob Green. And Bob mm -hmm. Green said there's too much violence on television. Children shouldn't be watching Speed Racer. Children shouldn't be watching The Three Stooges. All that does is promote violence. Mm -hmm. And I was censored by Siskel and Ebert, and I was restricted on what I could watch on TV because my mom listened to people. Right. Yeah, that's and the my worst. Opinion, it, it was it was censorship in the worst possible way, and all mm -hmm. that did was want make me want to see those movies right even more because well of i look back on like the fact that they gave the brood which is one of my favorite cronenberg films uh the dog of the week oh it's a terrific movie yeah, oh, yeah. It's, and it, it has a like, lot to say it like most of the cronenberg films yeah and, and even if you don't like it dog of the week you know that's the thing that that was the thing about Siskel and Ebert. They were like they would get really prissy and self-righteous over over anything with violence in it. And it's just like, come on, Roger Ebert, you wrote Beyond the Valley of the yes, Dolls. Exactly. You right. know, come on. Which is which is arguably the worst Russ Meyer film. <laughs> yeah. 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 The, the, the like biggest the one with budgeted... the least amount of fun in it. That's a that's a, a dire, sour unhappy movie and all of his other movies even his dramas are are exploitative and joyous they're a celebration of life is what they are of the female form a celebration of the female form uh question and for you guys of a female form <laughs> going back to emmanuel wait quick yes. question for you yes here's something else that bothers me about critics okay and i i, I want your honest answers both mm. of you have you ever changed your mind about a movie seeing it a third or fourth time? Me? Or even a, even a second time, yeah. Yes, yes I oh, have. Oh, hell yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. Of, I, of, I, course, I, of course I have. Yes. Uh, I'm, uh, for example, I've got a, a love-hate relationship with Kubrick. Okay. Uh, I, I'll i see The Shining or I'll see 2001 and I'll think it's a masterpiece and then I'll see it again and I'm like, oh God, this is so pompous and and overlong and overblown and mm -hmm. and gimmicky and crappy and then i'll see it again it's like what was i thinking last time i was just in a bad mood this is brilliant yeah. and i've done that with a lot of movies over the years if you agree that your opinion can change over time should you ever put down your opinion permanently with a critique that's that now you can me. track the evolution it's easier to track like you can see people evolve with their with that, because I remember going to college and reading the, going to the microfiche, <clears throat> the microfiche. and getting like the first five years of Rolling Stone and reading the reviews, and they're like, "This Led Zeppelin band is never gonna make it. Yeah. They're just garbage." They and were wrong in so much. Yeah, and they were wrong on almost everything, and they were just, and not only were they wrong, but they were so confident in their opinion when they, oh, yeah. you know, it was so confidently stated and then at the time when it, while i was in college the rolling stones that are coming out are like led zeppelin 25 year you know retrospective retrospective we're going to go through all their classic albums you know yeah. that they don't but they don't reprint the review the one star or half star yeah. reviews of their of their first albums and stuff like that but yeah but you see i'm a sucker i'm a born movie sucker i'm a which is which is awesome because 
pretty much if you put me especially in a movie theater if you sit me in a movie theater i don't care what genre it is a rom-com anything pretty much almost any movie is going to be at the very least watchable for me and and most of the time i'm gonna get a i'm gonna get i will drop all my i'll suspend my disbelief and i'll go along with whatever story it is you know no matter what it is and it's only upon leaving the movie and or watching it multiple times that i might start like picking you know i mean i've i've seen many a bad movie that i've sat through like and then when i got out to the car i started thinking about i'm like yeah that was pretty you know, I've, I mean, I've had a few that I've gotten like halfway through the movie and been like, why am I even still here? I could just yeah. leave, you know, <laughs> but um, that's rare, rare with me. No, I'm, I'm entertained by just about everything. Yeah, I just am. And, and I find it really hard to hate. Hmm. And, and part of that could be because, you know, I've had 30,000 reviews now. Mm-hmm. I've sold a couple million books and mm-hmm. and people love to hate me. I've got, you know people who are excited that I got a new book out so they can leave their one star before they even read it uh, and, and bless them. You know, that's, yeah. that's fine. I, here's the thing. I think all opinions are valid. I right. really do. I think everybody deserves their opinion. Uh, props to you. If you can actually back it up with logic and facts and, and know why you're feeling a certain way. Right. But I, I, I love, I love opinions and I love reviews. Uh, yeah. But, well, I can see why a lot why why you, you have a. But I, I certainly have a, a, an aversion to a professional critic. I certainly. Yeah. Do. Uh, but I I can see why a certain segment of the reading population would not enjoy your book. <laughs> well, no, no. But hear me out. Remember, no, I'm a I fan. agree with you. Completely. I'm a fan. <laughs> In that. The, the the a lot of the joy that I get out of it is the schism between the hardcore violence and the humor. Yeah, that pisses people off. That, yeah, that, that there are some people that just give me one or the other, don't give me both. But the fact that, that you're able to meld the two together. Uh, according to you, I am. According to others, I, I right, cannot right. do it. Yeah. So, See, uh, I'll take your professional opinion on that, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm with you 100% on that one. Yes, yes. But um, see, but I like I I like things where some entropic element into you know basically insinuates itself into a tone. You know, I, I love that. Where, where you yeah, get, I know what you mean. You know, where oh, like my my favorite bands are bands like uh, you know the Replacements and the Canals, like the Canals who have these like really sweet melodies about really bitter, nasty things. You know. Speaking of Emmanuel, though. <laughs> but getting back to Emmanuel. Getting back to Emmanuel. So killed by a piece of string, and it's yeah. the only time in the movie that they chintz on the special effects. Yeah. The, the cannibals yes. decide the best way to kill the great white hunter dude who was impotent, but then a rapist, but then when he found his diamonds, because he wasn't a hunter after all. That is he, my favorite scene in the, the whole thing where it's like, Okay, well, we know there are cannibals in this jungle, but we yeah. just found the diamonds. Let's they, let's have sex. Let's have right sex. Next. That, and, and, and let's have bad sex. Yeah. <laughs> let's have let's have 
not, not, she's not lying down with her legs closed, and he's on yeah. top, barely moving his pelvis. Yeah. Not, not, yeah, like that, yeah, sex, really. Actually, Training sex. Training sex. So they kill him. How, how are they going to dispatch this guy in the most horrible way possible? Because his wife was was dispatched by getting a a knife up the hoo ha, <laughs> and then disemboweled. And they did not shy away from showing that. It was actually pretty right. good special effects. The practical effects in this movie are are pretty damn good. Pretty, Especially three times ruthless, yeah. Uh, they, they weren't masters of latex yet, you know. I, I, felt, mean, I felt bad for the actress who played the nun. I just <laughs> like, what the, did she do? What did she do? The the baloney nipple scene, the yes. infamous cut off her nipple because yeah, let's just do that. Yes. Well, you know, guys, it was nobody's fault. I'm you know, not getting no that reference. No, it, that's it, it was, it's the it last line Chinese in the fault. movie. <laughs> Oh yeah! Oh my! I've never shot. I've never shot a man for that. that yeah, that's the, the, the last statement of the movie. It was nobody's fault. Everybody in the world's a vile, disgusting right. person that oh, deserves death. Very significant that, that the, the climax of the movie where two naked women with rifles shooting at stereotype uh, tribesmen. Yeah. But but the guy, I, we still haven't gotten to how they oh, killed this guy. The string, they killed yes. the great white hunter with a piece of twine. It's twine. It's it's twine. You can see the little the little strands coming off right. the, the twine exactly. that they bought for ninety nine cents. They wrap it around his waist. You get a bunch of cannibals on one end, a couple of cannibals on the other, and they play tug of war. And you see all this grunting and pulling, and a couple of people laughing, and, and the guy and close ups of Mackenzie going. Ehh! Exactly, and and you you never see any blood. You're not you're not seeing the the twine bite into his waist. Right. You just see him sucking in his stomach. Pretending no, that the they, twine is tight, and then they could have filled a torso-shaped fi- sack full of guts <laughs> and had it, you know, squished down to you know like right, four right. inches in diameter just before it went, or even some danglies. Just yeah. would have been just some blood at all. Blood. But instead, they go to <laughs> yeah. a they go to the worst special effect in the history of seventies horror. Where they just wiped away his lower body and had him stand there and pretend he had a, he had no lower body, right? Using an optical effect and a bad optical effect. What a disappointing kill. Yeah. Yeah. At, at this point in the movie, uh, I was just like, in this point in the movie, they're actually stepping back from the gore a little bit. <laughs> <What's>, <laughs> or they ran out of time or budget. Or they ran out of time and money. Yeah. Well, there's a there's a there's a feel of like in these movies of just like demented improv, you know, almost like it reminds me of when I was little kids and we would play like Star Trek and we were basically we were just like going through the woods with our toy phasers going like, you know, there once was a civilization here and blah, blah, blah. And like sort of making up a story. And it almost has that sort of thing where it's just sort of going along where we're like, well, we'll do it. You know, they go from here, they start in New York and then they go to, to the, the edge of the jungle and then they go into the jungle and we'll just make it up from there. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll figure <laughs> it out from here. Oh, there... well, I mean the fact that, that, that we don't even know that there is a subplot about diamonds. Right. Beautiful. Until literally the one hour mark. I thought we were going to find out they killed all the missionaries. Yeah. That was my first thought on that. Well, that was uh, that was Cannibal Ferox. That was Make Them Die Slowly. Mm-hmm. It was 
it was the the white people who committed all the atrocities and the, the cannibals were just taking revenge mm-hmm. when they mm-hmm. did the the brain eating and the dick chomping yeah. and the uh hanging up by your your breasts with hooks that mm-hmm. was just uh, no we're just we're just turnabouts fair play you guys started it yeah the cannibal holocaust was pretty much that too oh yeah same thing but, but that had real animals being uh yeah it's uh it's a brutal film yeah but I, i'm actually kind of i'm actually going to go and look at some of the some of the other <laughs> uh damato gemser collaborations oh they're great i mean i i, I, don't I love think them she's i think that she's in that gray area between pretty and beautiful Oh no, she's but she stunning. Is striking in that she has okay, a presence. Sure. Yeah, charisma. There are, there are people who may not be conventionally beautiful, but just have. Oh, she's like a statue carved out of like yeah. stone, Ebony. basically. And and the, the, just the way she carries herself and the way she seems to interact with pe- way she interacts with people, there is a presence that draws your eyes to her. There's only one awkward moment with like mm-hmm. she's not the greatest actress in the world. But there's, like, only one, like, really, like... And, you know, of course, it's horribly dubbed, too, but... Right. There's that sequence oh, at the beginning where they're meeting, and they're, and she's eating pasta. Yeah. And they're just splitting the sentences up, like, in the dub between... Yes. She's like, and blah, 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 in the middle of a sentence, she'll take a bite of pasta and chew it, and then finish the sentence, and I'm like... This is the most awkward direction I've ever seen, no, like... No, Chris, with, we have seen several Italian movies today uh on the throw out some titles so i have but a take a bite oh, after a period you know the bronx warrior for your vice is a locked room and only i have the key i they haven't seen that you haven't seen that that's no really, okay i'll that, check that out that, that's really that's really good i also saw recently oh that one's batshit crazy too yeah you want to see it's a, it's a yellow it's a yellow it's a yellow yeah okay um it's loosely based on Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat. Alright. And I say that loosely. Loosely, yeah. Yeah, so is so is Fulci's the Black Cat loosely. Yeah. There's a cat in and it. And so is Argento's the Black Cat yes. loosely based on. Still still the Argento version of Black Cat has one of my favorite freakouts when uh Harvey Keitel starts screaming at Madeline Potter, It's a cat! A cat! Meow meow <laughs> I love that movie. I love yeah, it's just it's it's insane. But um, yes, so you've seen a couple Italian movies, so or you've seen, seen a bunch. Yes, we've seen a bunch. I've seen more than just what we've seen on the show. This is the first time I was made really hyper aware of the dubbing. Here's the interesting thing: you you obviously watch the English dub. Yes. The Italian version is just as badly dubbed. Oh dear. And I, I did you get the Severin version? Do you have it on Blu-ray, or did you get the earlier? Uh, I had it release. streaming from. Um, okay, you're streaming. It was a yeah. I was had it on a streaming. Uh, I've, I've watched this movie multiple times, and I've watched it in Italian with mm. the English subtitles. The English subtitles are more coherent mm-hmm. than the English dub, mm-hmm. but the dubbing is just as bad. Oh dear. Okay. It's it's just as awkward. It's just as the the lips don't match the words. Uh, I don't think it's Laura Gemser in either version. Right. Uh, doing her own voice, and uh, it's just as it's just as wonderfully off. So if you can see it in Italian, okay. Uh, Usually with a badly dubbed in its original language. <laughs> yeah, 
usually in when I'm watching a foreign film, like uh, a couple of months ago, I reviewed The Guardians, the Russian superhero film. What do you think of that? For Dread Media. I thought it was gloriously goofy. I liked it. I liked it. I mean, I, I basically said... Good for I Russia. Off, I started off when we, the discussion by saying, here's how you can tell if you're on this film's wavelength. At one point, a bear with a giant fuck-off gun on its back yeah. is being ridden by a hot Ukrainian babe yeah, it was terrific. into an elevator. If, you, if you, you heard that and you just said, I love that idea, then... That's the movie for you. It was it was a low rent Russian Avengers, which oh, which I, I'm I love. I'm fascinated by how American idioms get translated yeah. into foreign. Uh, I just we ju- I just saw we're going to be reviewing it. We're going to be recording the review tomorrow. Uh, a Finnish superhero film called Rendell, Dark Vengeance. Uh. I am not aware of that at all. Or as I like to call it, I have no mouth and I must key your car. <laughs> um, you see, now, I don't even, uh, now I just want to see it. I don't, it, you well, don't have to say anything. I'm not else. lying. I'm, I'm not, not, not misrepresenting it. That there, The character <laughs> has no mouth. And he keys a car. <laughs> and at one point, to 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 enrage his, his villain, who I... I can't remember his name, so I just started calling him Hipster Doofus Eric Stoltz. Nice. He keys his car. Nice. So, but but no, but the thing is, that one is the Batman myth kind of strained through Finnish sensibilities. And it is, it's not as entertaining as Guardians, but it's, it's goofy in its own way. Well, are, are either of you a fan of Bollywood? Oh, well, I, I love... No, another thing I am not, I, I am interested in, I'm, I'm Bollywood curious. I, <laughs> I love Bollywood. I'm just now getting, because I'm learning Korean, as you know, um, I'm really getting deep into Korean cinema and Korean television. It's a good way to learn, too. Yeah, well, that, but that's why I figured, I figured I would get a, a sense of how the, the cadence of the languages, how and such. But um, some of the, some of the stuff is just once again, like I saw a film called No Mercy, which is a, the Korean version of Taken. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a decent film. It's just they, I felt like they didn't quite understand what made Taken so work so well. I, I liked it. Or uh, have, have you seen uh, uh, No Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance? I have not seen the Vengeance trilogy yet. I, I've, it's funny because I've, I've seen Old Boy. And I've seen Thirst, but I haven't seen the other Vengeance films. So, well, what did you think of Old Boy? Oh, I love Old Boy. That that single tracking shot, that single fight scene, may be the Hmm. greatest fight scene ever put on film. Well, the thing is, is that it's one of those things because it was the first one to do that, that, do that type thing. Every time I see somebody else do, I'm like, oh, okay, they're doing an Old Boy. Right. Yeah. Oh no, yeah, but that's yeah. I, I I love when that happens, though. You know that. Yeah. You know that somebody struck a well, a, you know, a wellspring of something neat when when people copy them. There's not enough copying <laughs> these well, days. It, I used to hate like when Star Wars came out and and now like I love all the Star Wars copy movies that well, came the, out, you know. Oh, they, oh the uh, <laughs> Battle Beyond the Stars. Star uh, Crash. I, I met I met oh, you know I, I met, love Star Crash. I met Luigi Cozzi in Italy. 
I was doing a, a tour in Italy, and we went to the Dario Argento Museum. And this old creepy guy behind the counter, and the Dario Argento Museum was about the size of a closet, and they had right. some of his props from some of his old movies. And the old guy behind the counter kept trying to sell me books in Italian, and they had great pictures. But I'm trying to explain to him I don't, Read I don't Italian. speak any any Italian. These these books aren't going to aren't going to do anything for me. And my guide later said, "Well, what do you think of Cozzi?" And I'm like, who? He said, Luigi Cozzi. He was the guy who was running the store. Well, oh, he's, the guy, he's, I got, he's a master of Italian cinema yes. in his own right. I'm like, that was Cozzi? Are you kidding me? I'll go back and buy any book he, he wanted to sell me so I can get his signature. That's awesome. I, I got to have dinner with Dario Argento once. How was he? How'd you find I'm him? I'm grateful that Dario Argento found his muse in film. Because? <laughs> because, quite frankly, if he if he didn't, I'm, I'm afraid he would have been a serial killer. <laughs> I, 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 no, it's because he came in to do, uh, we used to have a <laughs> called the Film Forum, which was a, a repertory house. We used to have lots of great repertory houses here in New York. Now we have, like, almost none. Yeah, well, video and internet. Yeah, but, um... And they were showing a at a at that time new print of Suspiria and Four Flies and Grey Velvet. Okay. And he introduced the sh basically it's like one day I'm minding my own business I get a phone call from my editor Michael Gingold. Hi Mike. Um, and Mike says, Hey Tom, do you want to meet Dario Argento? Yeah, no. I'm and gonna, I said, Is I'm going to watch Kojak. There's a rerun on it. Yeah, right. Uh, but yeah, so I got to sit down to dinner with this guy, with him. Very, very nice man, but there's, you never get a sense that he leaves everything on the screen. <laughs> he, he looks like... Did he have the bangs? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's creepy. So it's, it's not like, like when you, when you, like when I met um, Lance Hendrickson, and he's like the nicest human being on earth. Or, um, I'm trying to think of an, um, but, you know. Argento, Argento has a, now, was that a language barrier, you think? Maybe he just, his English work wasn't good? out in his films that he knows he has to let out. Okay. Or else think bad things will happen. That's the impression. Okay. That's the impression I get. Oh, good, good, good to know. Just if I ever meet Dario Argento, make sure there are no sharp objects in yeah. the room. Yes, yes. Well, we're eating Mexican. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I can I I totally see that. <laughs> uh, getting back to the superhero foreign thing, yeah. uh, if you're into Bollywood, see the Krish trilogy with Hrithik Roshan. Mm -hmm. uh, Krish 3 is the closest thing to a Hollywood superhero movie you'll find in a foreign market. Mm-hmm. It's it's delightful. The special effects are great. The villain is great. The the in superhuman things that the the hero does, it's all great. It's a wonderful way to kill three hours, of course, because they have to stop every twenty minutes for a song. Of course, of course. Uh, but it's masala, and it's I love Bollywood. I love right. there are many stars and many directors that I love in Bollywood, and it's well worth exploring if you are Bollywood curious. And you know we're talking about India, home of some of the most beautiful women ever. They're are some stunning actresses yeah. uh, working See, in working in that industry. That's why I think like 
and good yeah. actresses. Just, I mean, they're great. Everybody, all of the actors there, mm-hmm. male and female, are, are just crazy, super emotional, and really put it all on the screen. Mm-hmm. Unlike Argento. <laughs> Dario, I love you. Don't show up here. We're in black gloves, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I think you could. I think what movie would that be? All of them. Me, but I just want to be sure. So wrapping up Emmanuel. Yes. <laughs> Emmanuel and the Last Cannibals. Um, Hopefully, if, if this is your first cannibal film... It should not be your last. There are a dozen more movies worth investigating in this genre. None with as much sex in it. Right. None none with a better soundtrack. But I've seen every cannibal movie that I could get my hands on from every country that, I mean, even I've got some Filipino cannibal Mm -hmm. movies, uh, some Spanish ones, uh, a lot of Eurasian stuff. Uh, the the recent Bruno Matai ones, which are just an endurance test to get through, but you know, bless him for bringing it back. What did you make of Green Inferno? Y- you know, surprisingly brutal for a for a mainstream uh, release. Certainly made with the same affection that mm-hmm. Tarantino has when That's, he's. Yeah paying homage to a genre and by paying homage i mean liberally ripping off Uh Uh, and i i rip off everybody i'm not that's not a knock i mean all my writing is is me taking things that i love and just trying to throw a coat of paint on them so maybe it's not as recognizable as it is in my head uh i i like green inferno i thought it was a a fun movie i thought it could have gone a little further than it it actually did but My problem with it is the same problem I have with pretty much all of Eli Roth's films, which is unlike you, who were able to find the right mix, isn't his ability to thrust, quote unquote, relief humor. You think cringy and awkward? Yeah, are cringy and awkward. Yes. I don't. I don't mind. I wouldn't. Like, I was sort of on the, like, I didn't, I wasn't an Eli Roth hater at all. I like, but I did, wasn't a big, like, huge fan of his, but I thought he, you know, his, his stuff was interesting, but, and I was kind of excited about somebody, you know, somebody taking this genre in that, you know, and being from that sort of Quentin Tarantino world where they're, you know they're aware of the genre and they they rework it a little bit so i was really looking forward to it and i was just it had a couple scenes in it that that were that that were get it, that were s- sort of set in the right mood but it just it didn't work for it. but by the ending of it with you know the, the 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 way they ended it sort of with the weird stinger at the end where all the the revolutionary leader was still alive and and all this was uh, just kind of dumb, but it just—I like kind of dumb. That it, 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 yeah, it, it got under my skin and not in a good way. Gloriously stupid. I yeah, I was, I was, I was, I was not as entertained by it as I was really hoping to be, or or like, or even to the point of where I like, oh, I see what he's doing because I saw what he was doing there. I saw his and he was putting some. 
some, you know, pop culture timely subtext right. into it about like sort of that, you know, the um, oh, I'm gonna go and help the nat the these friendly right. natives. <laughs> right, we're it is a green inferno. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the green new inferno. Right. And that's the sequel right there. The Green Deal Inferno. The Green Deal Inferno. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, that's I, I, I don't want to make it right sound there. like I love. <laughs> I don't want to make it sound like I love everything. Stir up some yeah. controversy ahead of it too. And I do, I do appreciate film. And there's, there's very little film that I've ever seen that I, I hate or, or can't finish. Uh, but I will say that films that do disappoint me it usually has more to do with me than it has to do with the film because i'm bringing some expectations or i'm bringing this is what i want to see mm -hmm. uh, uh or or what i'm hoping for or well that's expectations right and then when i don't get what mm -hmm. i want i blame the filmmaker when in fact it wasn't the filmmaker it was it was me saying that this didn't check off the box that I needed. Where's the talking dog? Yeah. yeah the, that was and, the t-shirt. Where's the talking dog? And you know what? If if that's your thing and right. you're going to be disappointed in anything without a talking dog, okay. Right. And, right. You, and you know that that's you, that, that's that, that's great. But then on the other hand, you get films that are sold. I'm, I'm thinking particularly for some reason of Tim Burton's Dark Shadows which was sold to us through the media has, this is going to be a wacky comedy. And I actually, I avoided it for a long time. I've actually eventually sat down and watched it and said, you know, this is actually a pretty good recreation of what Dark Shadows was. The, the comedy was incidental. And, and Dan Curtis is one of the unsung heroes of, of 60s and 70s. Dan Curtis, the thing I love Television. about Dan Curtis is that he has this very kind of almost cinema very... One of the reasons why The Night Stalker is still one of the, the scariest TV movies ever made is because it's done with such a matter-of-fact cinema verite style that you can plausibly believe this is happening. Did you see the Norlis tapes? I have not seen the Norlis tapes. Uh, you, need to, you need to track that down pre-Night Stalker, very similar to that, and you can completely see where the X-Files came from. Right. Uh, and but of course... I Trilogy of Terror was great. Trilogy of Terror. Um, I, I really liked uh, House of Dark Shadows. Night of Dark Shadows, not so much. But if you read about what was going on behind the scenes with that one, you can understand why it was such a mess. Interesting. Yeah, because uh, apparently they were originally planning on doing one, the, the, the second big storyline as a movie. But then Jonathan Fritz said, I don't want to be typecast. <laughs> And well, he was right because he's gone on to have such yeah. an illustrious career as other characters. Yes, yes. And I, I you know what? I was talking to my ass there. I don't know what the guy's sure. done. I thought that was just smarmy. Yeah, but maybe um, he has. Did he ever do anything? He did. He appeared in Oliver Stone's first film, Seizure. Oh, I thought The Hand was his first film. No, no, no. It was Seizure. Look it up. It was a. It's a Canuck exploitation film, financed by mob money. <laughs> in which Jonathan Frid has some friends over to his his isolated cabin, and three of the villains from his uh, his horror novels, uh, one play the dwarf played by Henri Vizichez, 
uh, the, the executioner, played by some big guy, and the <laughs> queen of evil, played by Martine Beswick. And I love me some Martine Beswick. Well, so so is Caesar worth tracking down? I like I like it because I know every time I watch it, Oliver Stone twitches. <laughs> like you guys aren't Star even Wars bringing up Mr. Special. Bentley. Yeah. Like the Star Wars. Did you ever see that Star Wars oh, holiday yes. special? <laughs> oh yeah. I, 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 I you want to talk about disappointment? I I was I was in front of the TV for the Star Wars Christmas special. Oh. Like, and, and you were hoping for some B. Arthur, weren't you? I like, all I lived and breathed at that moment in time was Star Wars. I hope I see Eric Carney. <laughs> what you were thinking. <laughs> yeah, Harvey Corman. Yeah, B. Arthur. Don't There's get B. Lost. Arthur. She. That's what Star Wars was lacking. Yeah. Okay, so my opinion of Emmanuel and the Cannibals yeah. is uh, one of my favorite. It, it, it's my fav, It's my favorite cannibal film. It's my favorite Emmanuel film, my favorite Laura Gemser film, not my favorite Joe D'Amato film that, okay. that has to go to, to Blue Holocaust. Okay. Uh, Buried Alive was, was the old title for that. Uh, but hardly recommended, and it should get you into Gemser, D'Amato, Cannibals, and Emmanuel. And what, what are your takeaways? I, I think it is a good introduction to Gemser. Because, um, because like I said, I may not... She's not exactly my type, but I saw the presence. I was able I was able to understand what was so great about her okay. in this. Um, it's maybe a good starter cannibal film because there's some gross stuff, but it's at the very end. Mm-hmm. And, and you get to relax with some nudity in between. Yeah, you get to relax with copious nudity. By, and, and great Nico Fidenko soundtrack, even though yeah. you guys don't agree. Yes. Um, and it's it's... Uh, just a pretty good film, so I, def- I definitely would recommend it. Oh, I, w- I would definitely recommend it too. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. That, so mm-hmm. of my limited, I think I think I've seen Cannibal Ferox, Cannibal Holocaust, and this, and I would say Cannibal Holocaust is my favorite, just because there's so much attached to it to talk about and to mm-hmm. think about, you know, it, involved in it, you know, and the the moral dilemmas in all of the filming of it it's very it's just a very interesting piece of film and stuff but this one i would say was the most fun to watch i would say this was my favorite as far as like enjoyment because cannibal holocaust wasn't what you would call an enjoyable movie to watch this is the third time i saw cannibal holocaust and they killed the turtle I, I just couldn't jerk off to it anymore. <laughs> I'm like, that's the enough. The thrill is gone. That's enough. And uh, but this this one, I mean, yeah, sure, sure, you're gonna want to shower after it, but so what? You know, th- this one is, I mean, th- this one, a monkey shows up. Yes. And, yeah, and smokes. So it's, smokes it's, monkey. It's, it just has all the fun. And they didn't return of, to that character, which is yes. Which, is a it's, loose end that always bothered me. And for it's some, kind of the you know, peanut butter me, cup of the fact that, that, that Emmanuel looks and goes, oh, look, an ape. And then they stop making out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, goddamn ape. It's an ape smoking wearing sunglasses upside down. I guess guess that's that, enough that, to stop us watching each other. That would stop some hot lesbian sex, but stop a lot of things. But And we never see the ape again. No, no, I thought that, yeah, I was sort of hoping the ape was going to be around for the show, but like, 
this is like the peanut butter the tracheotomy. Maybe his ape was the one who was scouting for the for the cannibal truck. Yeah, exactly. He was, Came uh, back. Hey, look, there's some hot babes over there. Yeah, he's. This is the peanut butter cup of cannibal movies for me. It's two. It's a collision of two different genres, and it's two great tastes that that went great together. Nice. You got some. You got some cannibal in my Emmanuel. All right. Okay, so so hit me again with the the recommendation is what what's the name of the Vice movie? Which which movie? The the Giallo, the the Vice. Your Vice oh, is a locked for, room. For your Vice, which I think is, which I contend is the greatest title of any movie ever made. Your but Vice is a locked room. For your and, Vice is a locked room, and only I have the key. Okay, that's great. That's pretty good. Uh, I I oh, but I. And what was that? What was the uh, the foreign superhero movie you were talking about? Oh, oh, Rendell, R E N D E L, Dark Vengeance. Rendell. Rendell. Okay, you, you guys need to see Nightmares in a Damaged Brain, mm-hmm. if just for the deuce scenes, uh, and it's also great slasher stuff. Uh, highly recommended for this show. If you ever want to have me on again, if you're not sick of me, you're, I'd you're love to do a show on that one. Uh, you should see Chris three at the very least. You don't need to see one and two, and one has got a different title that I can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Chris three is just a terrific Bollywood superhero movie. I liked it more than Guardians, and I really liked Guardians, the the Russian right. one we're talking about. And I think those are the only two I was really pushing right. on you too. Mm-hmm. So, um, guy, uh, listeners, Joe. I just want to just want to say. Um, please patronize the Two True Freaks network of podcasts. Not only do you get this on the first of every month, we have to do something special for the New Year's, Chris. Okay. Last year, when we did our New Year's episode with Dolomite, so we have to do something special for that. We have to be as good as Rudy Ray Moore. But, I know, we got the, there's a Dolomite movie coming out with Eddie yes, Murphy. Yes, I know, with Eddie Murphy! It should have been Charlie Murphy, but, you know, yeah. what are you going to do? But, um... And Wesley so, Snipes. Yeah, Wesley. I hear Wesley Snipes steals the show. <laughs> so, um... Among the other things, you got the startling bulk of Monster... I, I can never get it... You do it, Chris. I can never get it right. Oh, the... The, <laughs> the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror... Yes. <laughs> what what is just, that? That's our that's our horror movie podcast. I just listened to the episode where you basically tore Hereditary a new one. Yeah. Heredi- they, Hereditary was a movie that I was I was saying I went in there with expectations mm-hmm. and I was not enjoying that movie because it didn't meet any expectation I had. Right. And then I saw the last two minutes of it and I said, Oh, I get what he was doing. Yeah, okay, right. thumbs up. I I I went in it with Hayek. I was I was uh, yeah because everyone I was getting this is the scariest film ever made. And, I yeah. knew the other guys in the in the horror vault were not gonna like it because they are like they don't like like any kind of like pretentiousness. I went like if the pretentiousness is right, I will wallow in it. I right. love it. Did and, you wallow uh, in the new Suspiria? 
I that that was another one. We did that like two months later, and the same thing. They I loved the new. I I yeah, sort I of bathed in that whole movie. I have not seen it, but that's because I know it's like a, it's a two and hour and forty five minute commitment, and I have yeah. to. It's a put it, some time it, 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 and it's slow, but it's slow in a one. It's in. A, I just loved every second of it, mm-hmm. and like Hereditary, I sort of. The it thing about everything. Hereditary is it set the mood, but the mood was like, you know, the subtext of that was just like grief. It was like mm-hmm. based on like yeah. family grief. And it was just it was successful in keeping up that atmosphere through the whole movie. But it just not entertaining. Yeah, it, did, it, did, it didn't entertain me as much. And I and being having seen like other movies about, you know, satanic cults or pagan cults, I already, you know, I fairly well figured out sort of what was generally going on as it was going along. So it wasn't like, you know, it, I have a feeling that movie had a big effect on art house audiences who were like, okay, I'll go to this cause it's an art house horror movie. And then it scared the hell out of them because right. they never saw the wicker man. Mm-hmm. Or, or did you, you see know. the witch? Yeah. I loved that one too. Like that was another one. Every second of it, that guy, like, like wove the spell from the first second of it and i was committed all the way through that was another one that was sort of like had a really depressing tone to it all the way through but it worked for me now thomas the witch or hereditary well, i have to choose one no no have oh, you seen them that's because because i would choose the witch over the hereditary hereditary okay. oh you've it, seen them yeah but hereditary's okay i just i, I didn't it was one of these things where I'm like going, okay, this is another overreaction. I thought it was. It had, like, it had beautiful cinematography and set and direction. Great, and and one set design and amazing performance. I thought there were several great performances mm-hmm. in that. The, the performances I thought were like across the board mm-hmm. really good. I thought all the elements of, you know, the technical right. elements were great. Even the creative elements of it were mm-hmm. great. It just, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was just this, it was one of those impending doom movies where nothing's going to go well for anybody mm-hmm. and everybody's going to suffer horribly right. <laughs> through the whole like, thing. Like, and uh, I'm okay with that, but if you if have to be in the mood for like it. Thriller. Kind of like Thriller, a, a cruel picture. Uh, There's no yeah. hope in this film, folks. Thriller's fun, though. Boy, like, Requiem for a Dream isn't fun. <laughs> Yeah, Requiem. yeah, no, Requiem yeah. for a Dream is one of those movies I saw once. I was like, what a great movie. I'll never watch that again. It's a brutal same, film. But I love Thriller. Thriller is... Yeah. Uh... Thriller we just we did recently. Now, I like Thriller a lot more than I like Hereditary. I had to pay 150 bucks to get the uncut version of of Thriller, thinking, oh, it's it's this much better. It was like five seconds of penetration. Yeah. It was of, of, like cut in porn scenes, yeah. This. I didn't really? know That's there was it? penetration. <laughs> I didn't did, know. Did you guys like it? So I saw it. I'm like, oh my god. Did you guys like that movie? Oh, I I, I, loved I enjoyed the film. it. And I I think the interesting thing about that film is, you know, the 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 filmmaker had made a children's film before that bombed. <laughs> I did not know this. He he made a he made this children's film didn't make any money. So he said, okay, you want a film? You want like a really smutty film here? But you're gonna pay for this, <laughs> and the way, and I, I don't agree with him because he he said that the reason he made uh, Christina Lindbergh a mute, mute is because he thought she was a t- bad actress. Hmm. 
I do not agree with him at all on that. But I think the thing is, is that we kind of, we're, we're, our faces are rubbed in the, the brutality of her life. Oh, yeah. So that we're like, you know, you deserve to go around and shoot people dead. Oh, yeah, you're ready right. for no, everything. No, no, that movie built towards some catharsis at the end yeah. of it. You know, while I was watching that movie, I was like, this is dark and brutal and really bad natured and like kind of yeah. ugly. But boy, I can't wait till she gets her, yeah. you know, gets her, her mix shotgun. on. Once she started training, I was just like, oh, yes. Now some blood is going to spill, some righteous blood. You know, that's far too many filmmaking. people focus on the stylized, uh, the stylized elements of that film and don't realize what a go- how good the storytelling is. Because, it, you know, they didn't talk about, oh, yeah, she has matching eye, eye, uh, eye patches for all her outfits. <laughs> they, they don't they, they don't realize that that the story is really well done. And it's, it's a really well. It's a painted. it's a it's a Western. Yeah. So, um, and it's, yeah, um, I, I think like more entertaining version of like I spit on your grave or something like that. The same sort of idea. Where it's or just like, Rolling Thunder with yeah. with William Devane. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's another one that was on the tip of my tongue. But what Miss Forty Five probably would be one too. Well, Miss Forty Five is a dark movie. Miss Forty Five is on the list. It's coming up. Oh, good. It's it's you know it's That's... coming up because I told you it was coming up. I know, but there's so many on the list. Tom. I know that there's we have a Abel long. Abel Ferrara. But... Abel well, Ferrara the, is a character. <laughs> yeah. I, and I, I love I, the fact that he just his, his idea of taking a break from Holly from from filmmaking was making stuff for Michael Mann for four years. I thought you were gonna say like just soaking himself in a fifty dollar fifty gallon barrel no, of no, no, like no. rum he or took something. A break from filmmaking and shot episodes of Miami Vice. The pilot for Crime Story and a couple of episodes of Crime Story. That must have been a fun set. That's all. Oh, I'm I sure it was. <laughs> Crime Story is my second favorite TV show of all time, so I, I love it. But no. okay, so Abel for he did Driller Killer. Yes. And he was the Driller Killer. And didn't he do Bad Lieutenant? Yes, yep. he did. Another what else one did he of these do? Films. I'm glad I've seen. I saw. He it. did that one with Madonna. My yeah, friend, a, my friend worked film. on that one. As Makes a, you feel dirty. Was doing li- lighting for yeah. costume tests for that one with Madonna. What what movie was that? I'm trying to think of the name. It's the, it's the like one where Harvey Keitel has sex with Madonna on the hood of a car. No, no, no. You're, you're confusing that with... Uh, with was that the, the Candle Wax one? Willem Dafoe has sex with her on top of Oh. Her. Was you're that the one where they pour the wax movie. on each other? I think there is some wax going on, waxing on and waxing but off like, going on. Yeah, that's not fun in real life. Kaitel's a director, and Madonna is is an actress, and he's trying to get her to be in their new film, and stuff happens. Oh, Madonna's not an actress. Come on. Well, in this film, she is considered an actress. (laughs) I'm not an actress, but I play one on TV. TV, yes. So, so Joe, where can people... Well, first off, everybody go out and buy the first... well, not the first two, the two volumes of what happened. What to happened Lori. to Lori? You know, I'd, I'd appreciate it. They're they're really fucked up. They're they're pretty gory, uh, especially the second volume. A lot of twists and turns, uh, and relatively cheap for the amount of hours you're gonna yeah you're gonna spend 
entertained by it. And uh, feel free to leave a review. Yes, even if, it, even if it's Chaser, a bad one. We've got Chaser coming up. Chaser is coming up. If you want to start the Jack Daniels series, start with the first one. Mm-hmm. Whiskey Sour. You don't need right. to remember my name. You don't need to remember any titles. Just Google Jack Daniels Mysteries and you'll mm-hmm. be able to find me that way. Yeah, and there, there is some fucked up stuff in that. Especially as you get you get deeper and deeper when you start talking about Luther Kites and all that. There's, stuff. there's a lot of there's a lot of bad. And I love bad. the fact that everything apparently takes place in the same universe. So you're not gonna get yeah. a license. So you're basically saying you're not gonna get a licensing deal from Jack Daniels. <laughs> I got a I got a cease and desist letter from from it, not actually the and the Jack Daniels people they're they're great and I'm a fan of their Tennessee sip and whiskey. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I named a character after, or or close to the name. It's actually a guy named Jack Daniel, uh, uh. great say whiskey. And I've got a female character named Jack Daniels. But their lawyers sent me a lovely letter saying, just to make sure that there's no brand confusion, would you mind putting a disclaimer in the books to say we're not affiliated? <laughs> and I was so thrilled that they weren't going to sue me out of existence. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, I'll, I'll do whatever, whatever you great. want, yeah. guys. No problem, man. Thanks for the kind letter. I got it framed. Yeah, I think I that's, a, that's a relatively new phenomenon where brands have realized that it's sort of better just to let people have that stuff out there and it probably helps them in the long run more than the whole world is open source. Yep. So, so go ahead and, and yep. force that. Take a bite. So also I just want to uh, remind people that if you want to support the production of podcasts like this and others, and would like to get some free goodies in return, consider signing up for the, uh, Patreon, the domicile of dread Patreon at patreon.com slash DJ's domicile of dread. Whose domicile of dread? My domicile of dread. Brett. DJ. So, My last name is DJ. DJ. Yes. So DJ's domicile of dread. domicile of dread at yes. Patreon. And by at this time, this is going up on November first, right, Chris? So either I will be finished. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Either I will be finishing, or just about to finish. The Halloween Horror Fest for 2019. Nice. So, so what what does a Patreon patron get by, by joining? Five tiers. Okay. Uh, at the one dollar level, you get exclusive essays. I usually write essays on every new movie I see in the theaters. Excellent. And other things like Liberty, which is a a pulp science fiction um, kind of soap opery epic that I've been working on, and I've got both a Oral history section and a narrative section working. Excellent. Sounds great. Uh, at the $3 level, you get early um, early access to Thomas DJ's watching, and I still have to edit that second fucking episode. Excuse me. Um, but, yes, you get basically direct. The, the, the minute I, I finish an episode, I, I finish recording an episode, it goes up. Great. And we're still going through the Doom Patrol in that thing. And we may start, I, I still have to talk about this with Des because this is going to be a joint venture. Uh, $3 level and up people may also be able to get access to Pacific Rim Rialto, my exploration of Asian cinema in all of its genre forms. Nice. So it's just, I'm, I'm watching so much of it, it's like I want to talk about it. And I'm like, well, I could either file 1,500 solo reviews of Dread Media or... <laughs> do, yeah, do that. 
do that. Uh, $5, you get cinematic, in addition to everything else, you get cinematic Mirage, the theater of films that do not exist, which is my podcast about films that never made it to the theater. And the first episode is already up. It focuses on Tales from the Crypt presents Demon, uh, not Demon Knight, Tales from the Crypt presents Dead Easy. The film that was supposed to be the first Tales from the Crypt presents movie. And I am working on one now. I'm doing the notes now for The Hunt. My, my request is George Romero's The Stand. The stand. Yes. Uh, at the $7 level, you get everything, all that, all that stuff. Plus, once every three months, you get a movie commentary. And at the $10 level, you get all that stuff, the commentaries, the podcasts, the writing. And you get the chance once every three months to assign me an article to write. You get to be my boss. Everybody I likes did, that. I like that. Yeah, I did the first one. Uh, the, my first assignment recently when I, I visited, when I viewed for the first time the butterfly effect. So they forced you to watch and review the butterfly effect. Yes, yes. That, was, that was his, first, his choice. And it's a well-made film, but it pushes so many negative buttons. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, I, I, you can go to domiciledread.blogspot.com and read the review, and you'll see I say, it's well-acted, it's... But unfortunately, my problems with child with, with child sexual abuse and animal torture made made this a really bad experience for me. So it's it's a weird because it's like I'm saying if, if you like this kind of drama, you will enjoy this film. I did not enjoy it for reasons that had nothing to do with the movie with the movie itself. If that makes any sense. It make it makes complete sense. Sure. So so yeah. So at ten dollars you get to be you get to be my boss, and also you get to participate in stuff even at the one dollar level. Uh, people have had a ch- uh, um, my Patreons have the chance to sponsor a day of the Halloween Horror Fest and choose the movie I have to watch and write on. I've yeah. got one. You can be a lot. Yeah, if you sponsor yeah, one, you're going to be right along me and Brian Trenchard Smith. <laughs> yes. Yes. Chris, Chris uh, is suggested uh, at midnight. I'll take your soul, which is interesting because I've seen the the last few coffee and Joe's, but yeah. not the first one. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be interesting. And Brian Tenter yeah, was brilliant. Yeah, I yeah. mean, really, really brilliant. Like you look at that, and that was '66. Yeah, or something. You're thinking, holy 60, shit, was he ahead of his 62. time? Two. 62? I think it was 62. And it's, it's, it was, yeah, it was way earlier than you would think it, like it's, yeah, it's that far ahead of its time. Um, but, and Brian Trencher Smith chose the Robert Wise classic, The Haunting, which I'm really stoked Ooh. to write. I am really stoked to write about that film. So, so yeah, so the next time one of these uh, special events comes up, you get to participate in it. So, and how much? How much is three dollars for some it's ride on the subway? And, yeah, and, and two and two podcasts a month. Not bad. It is a terrific bargain. Yes, sounds like. But anyway, but uh, Joe, thank you so much for coming on and talking 
Emmanuel and criticism. Is well, that... ha happy to be here. It's, I mean, it's like talking with old friends about stuff that I love. So why wouldn't I want to do that? Chris, I think this episode should be called Emmanuel and the Last Critics. <laughs> if, 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 only that were true. Critics. if only that were true. Yeah. <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks. Freaks. I can't believe I ate that whole thing. You ate it, Ralph.